You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lamb Goat presents the Van Flip Podcast. What is up? Welcome to this week's episode of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Today, I am joined by Trey of Mouth for War, Colorado, uh, Colorado-based Colorado band who are, I'm assuming, giant fans of Pantera. Welcome to the show, Trey. Hey, thanks for having me. Are you guys big fans of the, of, of the band Pantera? Um, I grew up on Pantera for sure. I would say the, uh, the name made more sense when we first started and we kind of grew into something that fits less but uh hey it's still there (laughs) yeah yeah you guys are um relatively a new band but you guys uh within the last month or two i think signed with uh monarch heavy so how how's that been going and how did you guys like you know get involved with them um it's been going great everybody on the monarch team seems very nice we've met a handful of them in person on tour um, we were on tour with uh, that Body Snatcher Boundary Store in 2020, mm-hmm. right when when stuff started coming back, and uh, we actually met up with a Monarch rep in Brooklyn, and I guess they thought we were some cool dudes because they made it happen pretty quick. It's kind of been news we've been sitting on for a while, but we're glad to finally have it out to everybody. <laughs> yeah, and then you guys are putting out your uh, your next full length, Bleed Yourself, which is coming out which is coming out in a week or about ten days from now, but. Uh, as as you are listening to this in your ears or watching on YouTube, uh, people who are listening to the podcast, it has been out for a week or two at this particular point. So you should be either a have checked it out or going to check it out currently. But uh, yeah, so what are you guys um, planning for the release? Are you doing anything specifically? I know you're home now, but are you uh, planning on heading out on the road and supporting it and everything? Um, we don't have anything like big tour wise planned right now just because the shitty season it happens to be you know it gets a little scary being from colorado when it gets deep into the winter uh everything's like a 10 hour drive but we do have some really cool shows lined up we're doing a like our official release show with uh mugshot and some local friends uh uh november 25th at the black sheep which is just the coolest venue ever so we're super stoked about that and then a couple of weeks later, we have a uh, a top secret show that we haven't announced yet. That's going to be absolutely insane. So awesome! That's and, also going to be out here in the mountains. So cool. And um, when you like your slow season, is that something that kind of like happens for a lot of you guys out there in like the mountainous, colder regions when it comes to like you know touring? As far as like being a band from that area, like does it really hinder your um, you know your travel ability? I mean clearly the weather and inclement uh, driving abilities or situations, but yeah. Yeah. I, on, I would say only a little bit realistically being from here. Cause a lot of us don't really give a shit. We'll just do it. Anyway. We've, we've driven left at 1am when there's a snowstorm after a local like tour kickoff show. Um, 
I guess more realistically, it actually gets kind of shitty being from here and wanting to see bands and wanting your friends to come here because that's that's the biggest part is people kind of stop coming here for a good three months. So we'll have too many shows to handle all summer and spring. And then everybody's too scared to try to come out here, which it, it isn't not understandable. You know, it right. does get crazy, but yeah, it's, that's the biggest thing. Uh, having cool bands to go see as a local, it just dies off for a few months every year. Yeah. I, I would assume that we're kind of coming up into uh, quote unquote van flip, uh, you know, time as far as like uh, bands on tour where you have the possibility of sliding off the road or hitting some black ice or, you know, getting to a wreck, uh, in general out there which is no bueno for anybody but um Absolutely. yeah you guys obviously won't have to deal with that too much until it kind of like warms up a little bit and uh you know early next year hopefully um <clears throat> so you guys are relatively like a new band like we talked about go ahead and uh, give us like a, just a quick um a quick you know overview of like how you guys came to about because i know you guys started doing some things like right before the pandemic and then obviously the pandemic uh we don't have to go super into that but it did hinder you a little bit so uh and you guys are now basically like you were saying earlier just hitting it hard um so yeah let's go ahead and like how did the band come about like how did mouth for war start um yeah we so most of us are from two different bands we were in a band called bruise that was getting pretty active at the time but we were from indiana actually we're on unbeaten records and touring a lot um that band was kind of coming to close to a close and we had played in colorado probably five times and the last time bruce played here we were like we should move here <laughs> like this place is awesome so i was living in indiana and i started writing what was going to be mouthful war and i already knew who was going to be in this band and <clears throat> how things were going to go down so it was very pre-planned and with uh with the goal to hit the ground running and not have any buffer time between like our old band because we were not trying to lose any of that you know yeah steam um so yeah as soon as we moved out here it was time like time to learn i have these songs ready to learn let's play some shows and uh uh right around when we were putting out our first ep i uh our drummer met scott lee that runs 1126 records at um i think so what fest Mm -hmm. and he gave him his number he's like i I don't really know this guy i'm gonna send him this ep and just see what he thinks about it he called us immediately he's like let's rock what do you guys want to do send us a plan what 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 are we doing with this this is this shit's badass so uh meeting scott signing to 1126 pretty much right off the bat was a big upper for the band getting us going kind of quickly um and yeah we just started with that first ep we started touring and just drilling as much as we could and i think that's has played in our favor for sure and where we're at now as a band yeah uh the ep was um an ear kept to um an ear kept to the ground there it is yeah um and then was that your that's the only kind of release you guys have put out as a band right like the just the ep and then you have the new record coming out no there there's an lp that we put on uh 1126 i gotcha i did look that up earlier so i forgive i apologize for forgetting that no worry because i would have said debut album earlier in the day or earlier in this five minutes ago but either way i digress it'll happen every podcast trey so i'll goof it up oh, one yeah. way or the other but anyway you can't yeah, know everything no i can't <laughs> there's there's so much and that's why i meant to say beforehand because you guys are such like a uh newer band for the most part in the grand scheme of like lamb goat goes uh there's so much that comes through on a daily basis that it's almost 
impossible to keep up with everything. Even though like I may post something, oh, yeah. I may not like ingest it and retain it for a long period of time. Cause it's just like 20 stories a day are coming flooding in or, you know, or whatever, but in, either way. Um, so what is the difference between, have you noticed any differences between like the Indiana scene where you were current, where you were at previously and then the Colorado scene where you're pre like you're currently at, like, is, was that a, also a reason why you moved or were you just like a big fan of like, you know, Colorado and like smoking weed and just being in the mountains and stuff? I mean, all of the above for sure. But <laughs> yeah, um, Colorado has a super awesome scene and uh, we played, like I said, we played out here four or five times and I think every time it was cooler is, we were playing shows that we could never even imagine playing in our hometown. But, uh, the, our old band was from like an actual middle of nowhere kind of place and not a city. So we had to work a lot harder to do any of the things we did in the few years that we were a band. So that is also definitely a big booster where we moving out here and having just a, a very large backing here, starting out as a band and everybody already thinks we're cool. Like, uh, not starting out where nobody knows that we're even people because we're from a cornfield. Right. But yeah, Colorado scene absolutely rocks. I'm not trashing the Indiana scene because honestly, since I moved away, it's been very cool. Uh, I, I feel like right after I moved away, they started building some really cool stuff. It was a little dead when I lived there, but now it's a place that I can look forward to going and playing on tour because yeah. I'm not from there. It's a fun stop now, but. Yeah, Colorado scene rocks, and I'm super proud to be from here. <clears throat> yeah, I, I haven't made my way to see any kind of shows out in the Colorado area, so it is on the list just because, you know, in my position, you do get to hear about these little pockets all over the country that seem to be doing a little something here and a little something there, and you kind of make mental note and go like, ah, I got to go there one day or something like that, but it's on the list. Um, so, Trey, when you were talking about writing all these, writing the songs and whatnot, you're labeled as the vocalist for the band, but do you currently write the material too? And then just kind of, uh, you know, hand it off to the other members or is it something like you guys collaborate on together after you like think of an idea? Yeah. Um, I, I write pretty much everything. There's like a couple riffs across the board and the old stuff that were like thrown in that I built off of, but I'd say about 90% of everything is written by me. And then uh, our guitarist, Gabe, at least on the new album, there's a a, a lot more uh, thrown in from other people than our old stuff, which I think made for some cool stuff that I would have never came up with. But overall, I'm the, the main writing guy. I just sit in my studio and pull stuff together. Hey, what's up? It's Lurk. Looks like you're enjoying the podcast. If you are and you like what we're doing here on the Van Flip, why don't you go ahead and pause this, give us a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to. If you want to find out any information on your favorite bands from the hardcore and metal scene, visit lambgoat.com. And to stay in the loop about everything that we post on lambgoat.com, make sure you like us on Facebook and you head over to Twitter and Instagram and follow us at lambgoat. Are you a full-grown adult and you also have a TikTok account? Congrats. Follow us on TikTok as well. You can find us under the username lambgoat.com. That's spelled out D-O-T-C-O-M. Head over to our YouTube channel where we have all of these podcasts in video format plus a lot more content that you should check out. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and you hit that notification bell so you're always alerted when we upload new content. And last but not least, if you want to follow me, Lurk, the host of the show, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at LurkCity. And as always, if you need any of the links that pertain to the artists on the show today, Lambgoat, or myself, you can always find them in the description. Thanks for listening to this message. Now let's get back to the show. Um, is that kind of what you hope 
the band will be going forward or do you are you open to kind of a more collaborative effort as far as you know songwriting goes or uh as the band progresses um yeah i i, I love when my guys throw in throw in stuff because i get stuck with like little stuff and gabe will send me one little thing and i'm just like i just built two songs off of this almost just because it opened my mind i do think that because we've been making this music for a while now and we finally kind of figured out exactly what it is that we're doing it'll probably be more so in the next uh the next record or whatever we do next we've talked about even just like getting a cabin in the mountains and just trying to hang out there for a week and writing together so i definitely hope that there becomes more collaborative but in in the same sense i think it is a good thing that a lot of bands do it like this there's there's one guy that knows exactly what we're trying to do and keeps building off of that but i think it'll uh be at least a little more collaborative in the next release is it did you did you decide to go that route because it's hard to find people to like start writing with or did you find it easier to like approach you know not approach but like showcase your material to the world kind of and then people like get a listen to it and go like oh yeah i could be involved with that it's easier to find people that way than to just be like, you know, putting a post-it note on a board somewhere and being like, looking for band members, call my number. For fans of um, this band, this band, this band, call my number, you know? For sure. Um, I feel like most of the reason it's like this is just because how my brain works, really. Um, I all I spend all my time in the studio because it's my job. I'm at home all the time. So all my other guys, they work in a kitchen or they work construction. So even if they wanted to try to get stuff done as fast as I am, I'm just like, yo, here's a song. And they're like, yeah, what the hell? You already did this. Not, not in a negative way. They're always really stoked, but I, I just have the time and I have the ADHD that makes me want to do just that or just stay in my little pocket of the house and just keep writing. So it kind of just happens like that. Um, and do you ever like approach the group and they're like, that song's not it <laughs> or that idea is not it. I'm actually very lucky in, to say that I don't think so. I think the guys are usually pretty down with what I'm doing. Even, even parts that later on, I'm like, damn, I should have done that. Why do you guys let me do that? <laughs> but no, I think everybody uh, really appreciates my writing style and it makes it work. Nobody's like jealous or like angry that they're not putting stuff in. I think they really enjoy just taking my parts and, because they do come in and they do the recording though. So right. I, I don't uh, record everything myself. I, I do record some of it, but overall, um, yeah, I think the guys are appreciative of how I do things and I'm, I'm lucky to have that for sure. You just said you kind of spend most of your time at the house and like, uh, quote unquote, that is your job. Uh, what is your day-to-day job or do you just uh, like full-time band guy just be able to live at home or live at the house? Yeah, just... Uh, I do, I record other bands, uh, do a lot of mixing and mastering and stuff. I've actually been off for the last few months building a brand new studio in my house. So I even here in a few weeks, I'll be even more so deep in that stuff. So yeah, I've been, uh, I've been recording for about 10 years now. Okay, cool. Um, and what, what made you, did, um, forgive me, uh, cause I know you were working with the producer, um, Grossman. Um, did you record a bulk of your the current uh, bleed yourself album that's coming out or did you have another person uh record with you alongside uh pete 
Um, this, this was the only one that we, or the first one that we let somebody else take the reins, which, which was Pete. He did all the engineering and the mixing, which was, uh, it was like scary for us at first because we did do everything else that we've put out and all, all the other bands that I'm in, that's how I do stuff. But, um, we just felt like it was time to one, put ourselves somewhere else where we're kind of locked in the studio together. And that was a big thing. Just not being not like, Oh, come over for like a, a few days this week and we'll get stuff knocked out. We just wanted to be at a studio, like as a band making a record, like for the first time. How long were you guys and in the studio like that? Just a week. Okay. Yeah, But um, yeah, like I said, that was the first time we did something like that. So I think it called for a lot of cool things and just becoming better friends and everything and just dialing in stuff in a different way because we're in a nicer space that we've never been in and yeah, we trusted Pete and he knocked it out of the park. So we're very stoked about that. Cool. Did he, um, th- as a producer, because, you know, and I don't want to just label him as that on this particular project, but did he offer any kind of input as well as as <clears throat> when you guys like showed up with like, quote unquote, finished songs? You know what I mean? Like, did he offer any kind of input of like, hey, you should do this there or that there or it may sound better if we do it this way or and that could also be like within song the song structure or, or songwriting or even, uh, you know, mixing, mastering and, and engineering stuff. You know, did he have like a lot of input or any input on that? Yeah, no, he wasn't uh, like super crazy with it, but he did have some little tiny things that he threw our way that we were like, oh, that'd be cool to throw a little pinch harmonic there or add a layer of this underneath of that not not really anything structural wise but i did appreciate that about him being like vocal about just little bits because that's my that's my biggest thing when we're making music just the tiniest things a little a little pause or a little stuff like that he did have some cool input on stuff like that yeah nuance i think they the term for that is nuance um so god damn i just fucking went blank either way we're gonna move on from that um (laughs) Jeez Louise, I'm blanking here, Trey. Okay. I do the same thing. You were in the middle of asking me a question, and I was already forgetting, and I was like, oh, no. Yeah, no, that happens. You have ADHD, and I have ADHD. You're, uh, I'm assuming you're Colorado, you're in Colorado, so you were partaking in the Colorado State Flower, and I have not yet, (laughs) so today, so I don't have an excuse. You're behind on schedule. Yeah, I don't have an excuse as to why I'm blanking, but it is what it is. Um, What got you down this road of, like, aggressive music? Um, just like in general in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how'd you end up, you know, being a guy that kind of now runs a studio and being in bands and loving aggressive and, you know, extreme music? Um, man, it, it was a, a long pipeline, I guess I'd say. I've, I've always been a musician since I was a kid. My grandpa buy me guitars and stuff. That's what I've always been into. I wanted to be a rapper when I was like seven and had my little Walkman. So like if some form of music was, was always in my life, uh, I've been playing guitar like actually trying to learn since i was probably 10 or 11 years old but i definitely started with stuff like blink 182 and like green day those are still some of my favorite bands of all time but that's uh the kind of stuff that i started on for a long time when i was very young i started bands that were like cover bands blink 182 and stuff like that and i think probably my brother had introduced me into some like slightly heavy bands like like uh, a tray you and bullet for my valentine honestly when i first heard it i hated the shit and i thought it was stupid i didn't understand it at all i was probably 12 
13, something like that. Yeah. But uh, those kind of bands definitely started to grow on me and maybe 15 or so, I started listening to metalcore, found bands like Asking Alexandria and of Mice and Men, just like a lot of younger guys like me found that got us to where we are now. And uh, I met some guys that were playing in a metalcore band. I started playing bass for them. And I think literally ever since then, it's just grown into something I never thought it would be, especially when I wanted to be a, a pop punk rocker. So uh, yeah, I think uh, around 17 or 18, I was offered to do vocals for a band, which was something I'd never ever considered whatsoever. I had like yelled before and as a background guy, but never thought that would be a thing, which is uh, also kind of cool because that, that band I joined at the time, Ocean's Grey, uh, was the first band I fronted. Our Mouth for Wars drummer was in that band. That's where I met him. And it's it's really cool that we've been able to play together this long. But I definitely, throughout my teenage years, was playing around with Audacity, you know, just recording little silly things. Honestly, uh, when I was in eighth grade, I made a whole CD on Audacity that I handed out to everybody. It was probably the worst music in the world. So I've always been interested in the engineering part, whether or not I knew what I was doing, but it's definitely grown from there. I've never stopped recording or tinkering with stuff. I've always had bunch of shitty mixers plugged into each other trying to figure out how to get it into my computer kind of mm-hmm. shit until I became an adult started buying cool stuff and here we are yeah um when you did when you were offered the um the vocalist spot like and you you know you you really hadn't I, I would assume you hadn't really found your voice yet or you know you never really yeah. haven't even tried it so like how 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 did you find like the voice that you currently use now um like you know did you take from people that you had you know bands you'd liked or bands you had seen on stage or like did you just try things you know in your own time um kind of both definitely when uh they asked me about that i was uh wouldn't i said yes immediately but never considered it i they were like you got to record with us next week uh, work. I had, I had never even been in someone else's studio. They always joke. Mason always jokes. Cause I, I woke up at 8am. They were like, time to record. And I cracked open a mountain dew and I walked into the vocal booth and they're like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's kind of strange to listen to myself now and, and listen to something back then because it's not even the same guy. I think most of brews, I kind of had like a higher register voice that not even trying. That's just what kind of came out of me. But there was one point like right in the middle of brews, I think from touring so much and not doing it right that my voice wouldn't do that anymore. It was very strange. And all of a sudden I, I like had to go low. So there was just a release where it sounded like there was a whole different guy all of a sudden. And since then, that's just how my voice has grown. I, uh, <clears throat> spending a lot of time on the road, we'll just, we'll just do it to you. I, don't even think I've ever really considered like at home been like, Oh, I should try to sound better or try to sound like this. I think we just kept playing shows and now I feel like I listen to myself and I'm like, I sound like a fucking monster now. I don't even know how I do this shit, but yeah. Uh, I take a, I take influence from, uh, I like Lamb of God a lot. That's a big influence for our band overall, but I really like the way Randy Blythe, uh, like, his pronunciation and stuff. I feel like that's a thing that I do a lot that I take from him and uh, like bands like the devil wears Prada and stuff. I do a lot of the way they stack their vocals and stuff. Mm-hmm. Those bands help me find my sound a little bit, whether or not I was really thinking about it. Yeah. Cause like <clears throat> when you, when I listen to uh mouth war, I, 
and this is no offense against the Devil Wears Prada, but like I don't really hear any of that influence, you know, in the music part. But you know, if it's a, uh, something to do with the vocals, I could totally get that. Um, the other, oh, fucking the other thing, <clears throat> the dog just barking threw me off. But anyway, uh, I don't know if anyone can hear that, but. Um, I was wondering if you could hear mine as well, but I guess not. What kind of dog do you have? I got three in here now, but um, we got two super mutts. One of them is uh, he's a, he's a pit bull that's like a spotted cow, and we actually just got a a hound dog mix. That she's a puppy. She's just long legs, red hound dog, big ears looking girl. We have to get her a a, a what do they call it? a test to figure out what she actually is when she's old enough the 23 and me for the dogs yeah yeah we did that for chopper which is our our older dog and he uh has everything like the, the first dogs that are in him they're like he, don't, he doesn't even look like it but there's a list of like 10 of them yeah it's kind of crazy uh i know we're going a little off topic on <laughs> on uh dogs now but it's kind of crazy that uh because we have a bo- I have a boxer and then my partner has two little um, Chihuahua mixes that one's mixed with a Terry and then one's more Chihuahua. But like, you know, it's crazy that all those dogs come from a wolf. And you look at a Chihuahua and you're like, <laughs> how the fuck, dude? I don't understand. But you're like, not you, no way. Yeah, no, I don't understand it. Uh, but going back to the vocal uh, vocal stuff and everything like that, it's um, you know back because I also moonlighted as a vocalist in the early 2000s in a band. And when you were saying like, you know, you just go out there and just do it and you don't really have a, you know, you're not really thinking about how to do it or how you should sound or how to sound like that. Um, That's kind of like it was for me too. I just kind of went out there and like whatever my voice was doing, that's what the voice was. And that's just how it was. It's kind of cool. Like now, like fast forward 20 years, you know, like you have people that are like teaching you different vocal styles, like that uh, extreme metal vocalist, David. uh, I don't know if you've seen that guy on, TikTok or Instagram or whatever, the extreme metal vocalist, he'll like teach you how to do stuff. His name's David, I believe. Um, and he'll tell you how to do like Randy Blythe, this, that, or the other, or, you know, if you want to do a different type of guttural sound or a, you know, nasally sound, he'll, they, you know, he tells you how to do it. Um, I could never fathom doing that 20 years ago, trying to figure out how to like, you know, do the vocals. But I guess that's, uh, that's what sets a couple people apart, you know, when they put more time and effort into their their craft. For sure, yeah, I can I can't necessarily imagine trying to learn vocals like learning a like a guitar or something. I just yeah, yeah, I agree for sure. It, I, it's cool, and I I have a lot of friends and a lot of cool bands that just have they can make the craziest noises I've ever heard. But I'm like, how do you like learn to do that? Yeah. <laughs> I've never gone to like a singing, like a person, like a vocalist that would teach you, like whether it's like formal singing or, you know, like David does with the uh, aggressive uh, extreme vocals. But um, I fear that like I walk into this place and she just says one thing and like everything clicks and I've been doing it wrong for 40 years, you know, like (laughs) I've never really heard my voice. That's kind of one of the things that also bothers me but have you ever done anything like that like gone and seen someone for vocals like in person or anything no not at all Mm. when you you were younger now that i'm i'm thinking about your rap career i want to know like what kind of rapper would trey have been at seven years old like what were you wanting to be oh i wanted to be eminem of course i was from indiana (laughs) yeah uh yeah no i had that uh uh that I can't remember which Eminem CD it is, or maybe it was a burnt one with this bunch, but it was in my Walkman all the time, just 
jamming. I thought I was the coolest little guy ever. <laughs> Do you still listen to any kind of like hip hop or rap these days? Yeah, for sure. I don't listen to it as much as I used to, but I I think that makes me appreciate it more when I find an artist that I really like. Yeah. Um, when um, going back to recording and studio stuff, how did you kind of figure that uh, you were decent at it? Like, because you started doing it at such a young age, <clears throat> just kind of out of, out of necessity and just, you know, curiosity, I would assume, just like trying to record stuff and you having all these little like gadgets and gadgets trying to get everything over to your computer. Like, how did it go from tinkering to, no, to figuring out like, oh, people want me to do this for them or I could possibly do this for other people? Um, I don't even really know when the when that decision came. Maybe, I would say maybe just when I was old enough that I had a place to record someone with a full drum set and stuff. But of course, I when I started doing it, I was still really bad at it. <laughs> even now, of course, there's always there's room to grow. There's there's learning. But I spent a very long time recording bands when I didn't know how. And I think that's how you I think that's the best way to grow, really, of course, is just by doing. But I put out more bad sounding things than anything until maybe the last five years or so where I feel like I've started building a sound that I'm actually proud of. What are some of the other bands that you've recorded that, you know, some of our listeners or Lamb Goat would, would know of? Um, I've done all, um, everything that Gates to Hell has put out. That's been uh, mixed okay. by me. Cool. So all, all of their EPs, up until the last LP, they actually came and did that LP with me. It's actually me playing drums on that record as well. Um, so yeah, I I produced the whole LP that they did here in Colorado. Everything else they just sent to me and recorded in Louisville with a friend of mine. Um, who else have I put out recently? There, there's I do a lot for local bands. There's some sure. cool local bands. If anybody wants to check out, uh, we got Backlip and Lucked Out are some really cool bands to check out that I've done their recordings. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of finding out those smaller bands is kind of where I was going at. But now that you brought up Gates to Hell, how did that like relationship kind of start? And, you know, how did you talk them into letting you record or how did, did they approach you type of thing? Um, yes, being from Indiana, um, one of the closest like cool hardcore scenes that had like a lot of people was Louisville. And that's where Gates is from. Um, I've been friends with most of those guys for a really long time. And a lot of them have, even before I moved, they've sent their bands to me. But I think originally Gates to Hell was not a band. It was just their uh, their guitarist, Seth, just making stuff. And he had sent me their stuff and I did it for real cheap, just for fun. I thought it sounded cool. And then I guess over a couple of years, I mean, not even knowing they decided to make it a super serious thing and start hitting it. So I guess they just had me in mind the whole time. I'm super glad I've been able to do stuff for that band. It's, it's probably my most listened to mm -hmm. like recordings. And yeah, I, I just love that band anyways. So their music is badass. But yeah, um, and I'm actually going to be doing another single for them. It's going to be one of the first things I'm doing in the new studio I built here in just a few weeks. That's cool. Um, I don't, I'm just thinking, I, I thought about this earlier. I didn't want to ask, but you brought up your studio again. How much, it, and you don't have to tell me if you don't want to, but how much, if you could estimate that have you invested in your new or the studio that you're kind of working with now um where we're at now which is done but not done done you know that goes uh just <laughs> the building the stuff because we actually moved into this house and it was 
the rest of the house is nice, but the basement was just like a blank canvas for me. So we're talking flooring had to be done and like literally everything. Probably right now, five or 6,000 just fixing things, but it, it looks like a place now and it looks cool. I've got everything framed in with like base traps and stuff uh, that we built. So honestly, we're, we're doing, that's not even a high end number. I feel like I'm yeah. lucky to have only spent that much so far, but and then there's a whole bunch of gear. Yeah. That's not including the gear, right? That's not including the equipment. That's just yeah, no. the, the space. Okay. Yeah. Most of the, most of the stuff like I already have obviously, cause I've been recording for a while. So I'll, I'll be able to start recording soon with the stuff I have, but there's now that I have such a nice space, I'm going to drop way more money into like the nicest kind of stuff that I can get from here on. And uh, the house that you're currently have, or the the house that the studio is currently in, is that something you own, or is it something you rent, or like how does that work? Because obviously, if you're putting all this money and effort and time into the basement <clears throat> and fixing it up, uh, you know, if like something happens and you guys got to get out in a, 90 days or something like that, that kind of fucking suck. Oh, definitely. Yeah. No, we we bought this house finally. We've uh, we've been here for about five years. And I would have never imagined that we were cool enough to buy a house yet, but here we are. So I'm very stoked about that. It's the only reason I'm being able to do something this this badass. And uh, I honestly, in a way, feels like I'm finally starting the life that I'm tr- I've been trying to do. I've been spending years and years in rentals where I can just hang up a couple things on the walls for sound, but now I can I can build yeah. shit that's going to be like a permanent place to create. So is it is more or less like? the mouth of war house then it's like the band house yeah for sure this is this is where everything gets done all all of our bands get stuff done here and yeah it's it's going to be the the coolest version of it that it's been <clears throat> was that the idea five years ago when you moved to colorado like we're all going to just go in on this house or like is that something that you just kind of came in like here we're renting this house and this guy just maybe wants to sell it to us over course of time uh, no, we, we've had to move a few times, but, uh, when we first moved out here, it was a lot of us actually living in a house together. Um, uh, uh, there was one guy that would played bass for us that actually ended up moving back to Indiana and leaving, but that actually made starting this a lot easier. Cause we moved to Colorado and we had five or six dudes living in our, in one big house. And it was like, rent was like $200 or something. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, uh, a lot of our people have gone and done their own things and now my wife and I have bought this house but it's it's where all the action happens for sure so the band doesn't necessarily stay with you it's you and your wife's house nope not anymore thank god <laughs> okay. no more roommates yeah okay <laughs> that's what I was thinking I was like oh this is like a bunch of dudes hanging out in the house which also seems like an ideal situation if you're in a band and that's all you really want to focus on I remember like um, 15 years ago I started hearing about that like Born of Osiris and some other like Vale of Maya I think at the time they all like kind of crashed in a house and that was kind of like the thing, uh, you know, uh-huh. just get like a band house and that would, or like a label would rent a house or something like that. And they would all stick them in there. So, yeah, but I could guess that that would be, uh, a pain in the ass just living with a bunch of dudes, like four or five dudes all the time. You know what I mean? It can be for sure. And not, uh, it was, at least three of the mouth war members and then some friends living there, but for sure. Oh, I, I can't say though, the guys in Mouth of War are the least of my worries. I, like when we tour together, we always talk about how we're, we're all just lucky because we all we love each other. We don't we don't argue about shit. And yeah, I just have. Yeah, so I would say if I had to do that, if there's anybody I could live in a house with like that, it would be the members of my current band for sure. 
what's the longest stint you guys have done post COVID, like in the on the road together? Um, we did that body snatcher tour, which I think was forty or forty five days. So okay. that that and that was by far the longest tour any of us had done. Okay. <clears throat> You'll have to spill the beans, but do you have something longer than that planned for 2024? Not yet, unfortunately. We just we just got back from uh, about a month with no bragging rights, so we kind of burned that one in. But I'm sure we'll have something real uh, planned real soon. We're just kind of, uh, you know, a lot of things out in the open, a lot of things being talked about, but nothing locked in yet. Right, I got gotcha. you. And... Um to touch base back on like the mastering side of things and, and, and mixing. Um, cause I would assume that if I'm like, cause I've also done some like digital audio workstations or workshop stuff, uh, in Ableton here or there in my time of doing music and, you know, in my head, I'm like, yeah, this sounds good. But I honestly have no fucking clue if it sounds good. Like not, not the music part, but like how the music sounds right. Like, yeah. uh, and I've tried, to do like, you know, research on like, you know, what frequencies should sit here, what frequencies are good here, like what should I do with this, you know, what, where should all these, the placement of, you know, sounds like, you know, low end, high end, what, you know, all the, and then it gets really crazy with spatial audio stuff. You really want to fuck with that. But I never, I, I read like one page on that and was like, I'm not doing that at all. That's going to be way too much for me. So when did you kind of figure out that you were like, have an, I guess have an ear for it. Cause like, I would never think I have an ear for it. Yeah. Um, I think just like, uh, a lot of people in general, like just in any subject grow and change and realize the, the former version of what they were doing was not the one that's been a constant thing for me, for sure. You know, there's been times where I thought that I had an ear for it, but I'll listen back now and I'll be like, man, what the hell is that? Um, so I don't really know when that clicked, but I, I will say that of, over the past few years, I've, like I said before, kind of started making the sounds that I think that I thought were in my head. Maybe I think it's just a lot of, uh, just studying the other things that I, that I enjoy, uh, picking apart mixes that I like to listen to, which I mean, one of my favorite, uh, like sounds is coming, comes out of Bricktop, which is where we did our record. And it's half the reason we went there just, uh, to build that relationship, but based off of just how many records I listen to on a daily out of there. But yeah, I guess, uh, I guess sometimes you never really know if you have an ear for it. Really do. Yeah. Who are some of like the producers that you would like to work, you know, producers, mixers, engineers, anyone that behind the board, you know, like who are like a short list of people that you would like to sit either behind or sit with and work together? Um, I would we we did our record with pete at bricktop which i i love everything he does but andy that works at bricktop does a lot of the the bigger things that come there i would love to to spend some time picking his brain that guy is really cool i think uh josh roeder is a very talented uh producer that i would honestly i could even see mouth for war trying to work with in the future um i think that that's mo those are at least my favorite guys right now gotcha same question but and we were just talking about you know what you guys have planned on tours and stuff like that but like if some bands are listening to this podcast by chance and you know they hear that you may want to tour with them who would those bands be that you would like to like tour with in the next you know 12 months could be big or small big or small headliners or your opening you know what i mean 
For sure. There's a good mix. Um, I'd say a band we'd love to see ourselves out with. Uh, we're good friends with Boundaries. I know that uh, that's a, a matchup that we've wanted to make forever. Uh, I'm a big fan of Foreign Hands. It's a band that we'd love to tour with. Um, we've done some dates with Left to Suffer, and we've had so much fun with those guys that we, we hope that we're cool enough to for them to take us back out because those guys are doing some of the coolest shit right now. So Yeah. Hope, hope, hope those guys will give us a shout again. Yeah, you if you uh, if you befriend Taylor, maybe he might let you kind of like do some guest vocals on that Shavo project he's a part of now. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, no Taylor. Taylor is a good homie. That's that's a good guy. That was one that I was referring to about the friends that can make some terrifying noises that yeah. they don't understand. <laughs> yeah, that guy is the top one. But yeah, um, man, there, there's so many of them, but. I, I would say boundaries is our number one, just because how how close of friends that we are with those guys, and just our music makes so much sense together. Would you ideally like to spend most of the time on the road, or do you have an idea? Like, so obviously you're married and you have other things going on, but like, if you could, would you spend the bulk of your time out on the road? Oh yeah, and I, I expect to be doing just that for sure. We're just kind of figuring out what what exactly the perfect next move is to kick off next year and i'm sure we'll i'm sure we'll be everywhere hopefully outside of the country as well nice and um trey how old are you i'm 28 just turned 28 28 okay and how long have you been married if you don't let me ask him we've been married a year on friday we've been together for about 10 though okay so she's well aware of like what your uh lifestyle is as far as like coming and going for times that are at hand Oh yeah, I I will say that Mouth War every everybody is uh is shortied up in Mouth War and we're all super lucky uh that, that they all understand. My my wife is known she she plays in my, in most of my bands. She's in all okay. of my bands except Mouth War. So she does some small touring with me and she was in Bruges. She spent 3 years touring absolutely all the time with me. She is she does doesn't want to do it anymore and she fucking hates it and that's understandable it's not for everybody but she she's extremely supportive as well as all of our girlfriends so um, uh, are all of their girlfriends right, and my wife <laughs> right right um does she not want to do it because it's i mean and again like you may have it you may have a perspective a perspective on that or not but maybe you guys have talked about it uh is it what are, like the differences between a male and female touring? Like, is it just more difficult for females, and that's why she doesn't want to do it? I mean, it's difficult for males too. It's difficult to be away from home for fucking a month on you know living out of a van, probably. Yeah. But like, there's different. There's certain things I'm assuming that she just doesn't want to deal with anymore. And do you know of what those are? For sure. At, n- not that it was probably any of her uh, like issue with it but it definitely can be more complicated or just annoying to tour as a female fucking venue staff constantly like telling you you're not in the fucking van that kind of (laughs) stuff has happened all the time people are weird at shows like but more so for her she loves animals i love animals too um she wants to be at home and just have all the animals she can because she she's at home just doing her thing she has a lot of snakes and and lizards and stuff and she just wants to be here and i get it I, I have a really weird brain that for some reason just really loves being on tour. Just the, the constant repeat schedule just really works for me. But some people don't want to do stuff every day all the time, so, yeah. which is totally understandable. And I, I'm actually very grateful because now I'm allowed to have cool stuff when she, she stays home and holds down the fort. And I'm super grateful for that. 
Um, if Mouth of War wasn't a thing and you weren't doing music, what would Trey be doing? Oh man. Um, that's a hard question. I'd say this is a new thing over the past two years, but I've been training Muay Thai and I've been getting super deep into that. If, if I didn't have to leave constantly for like months at a time, I think I would probably already be competing. And I think that's all I would do all the time if I didn't have other things to do. How would you support yourself doing Muay Thai? That's a good question. I mean, if I wasn't doing mouth war and touring, I would hope that I'm still recording. But if that's out of the question, who freaking knows? <laughs> I was gonna, I was trying to see if you had any like other interests in any other kind of like work field outside. I mean, Muay Thai is definitely a work field if you get to the level of like fighting and you're doing it constantly. <laughs> There's definitely many levels of like getting by and making a lot of money in that field. So, uh, but do you have anything like any interest outside of like? Uh, the band or Muay Thai that could, you know, transcend to a, to the workforce or to a career? Um, outside of recording, sorry, outside of recording. I guess that's the thing that sucks. Like I <laughs> don't, you know, I've yeah. spent literally my whole entire life, even from childhood being a musician. And I've, that's, it's never been a thought that I wouldn't. So, uh, I, I'm one of the few guys that I know that just like, doesn't do anything but this. I, I wake up and I go in the studio and I, I, I just spend all my time doing just that. Whereas a lot of my friends, they like to play video games and stuff. Mm. Not that, not that I'm talking shit on that. I, I try to play video games and, and like, can't not be busy. You know, I, I don't have the attention span for it for some reason, but yeah, that's a loaded question. It's going to have me thinking for the rest of the day now because I'm going to be like, what the hell would I do? Yeah, well, I don't mean to ruin your day or, you know, take up a big chunk of your day after this is said and done, but, you know, I had to ask. Um, just kickstart my midlife crisis. Yeah, just at 28, it's like a quarter life or hopefully quarter life crisis for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, fuck. Uh, God, dude, I had this fucking question I've been waiting to ask you, and now, of course, I fucking said quarter life crisis, and I've thrown myself off yet again. But um, fuck, dude. Oh yeah, here it is. Um, do you think like ADHD has like helped or hindered you in your career path selection? Um, surprisingly enough, I would say help. Uh, just because, I mean, if I didn't use caffeine as a as a helper, uh. I would be screwed, but yeah, in a weird way, it, it, it has helped. Uh, I think it has a little bit to do with not just ADHD, but just other like mental health problems. I, I, I have bipolar disorder. Um, so I would say I do have my days where I'm like, Oh, I'm going to get up and I'm going to write six songs today. And then the next day I'll get up and I'll be like, don't fucking even look at my computer. Cause yeah. I don't, I, I don't want to live just, I mean, you know, a lot of people, have that but sometimes i don't understand how it's been so helpful to me but i think uh yeah it, it has been yeah part of the because um, you know i've had adhd all my life too and i'm one of those guys that doesn't go around just saying and i've actually been diagnosed with it at a young age oh, yeah. but uh um, yeah for and you know it's a, it's a cool <laughs> hot topic to just say you are adhd to explain just being a shitty person but you know i'm not out here trying to be a shitty person but i do think it's kind of like also a uh superpower in a lot of ways because you know i don't necessarily know how a normal brain would work but like i know how i my brain works and although i do try to attempt to do multiple things at once like 
you know, I might do something here and then walk into the kitchen, try to get a drink. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I got all, I got to fix this real quick or do this over here. And then I'm back to the computer going like, what was I doing over here? But it allows you kind of some kind of superpower type stuff too. So, um, but you, do you say, uh, I don't know if you medicate, uh, for ADHD, but, um, I, I'm off and on with that. I've, I've not taken any ADHD medication for almost like 10 plus years at this particular point. But, you know, growing up, I was on and off of all sorts of different kind of like Adderall, Ritalin, Concerta, whatever it is. I've probably tried it all. But I kind of like, and I don't know, maybe because um, I also started smoking weed at a much later age. I was like, I was probably like around your age when I started smoking. So it was probably like 24, 25, a little younger than you are now. And um, <clears throat> I think from that moment on, because uh, weed was sold as something that was like completely horrible. You know, I grew up in the dare times, you know, so when dare was coming to school and fucking yelling at you about drugs, it was like freaking me out, you know? And, uh, by 25, I'd already been drinking since like 17, 18 high school times. And when I tried weed for the first time, I was like, Oh my God, this is just like drinking, but like better and no hangover. And so yeah, I, but my I also, stomach doesn't hurt. Yeah, yeah. but I also noticed it kind of like helped with the ADHD stuff too. So, um, but now I'm coming to a point where I, you know, I've been, going hard on that for almost 15 years it feels like and uh it may be time to give it give that part a little break <laughs> i don't know i'm debating it all the time do you ever have that situation with with yourself um not necessarily i um i will say weed does actually it, it probably is based off the last question the biggest factor that kind of helps and well, from the, the start of the thing that you just said, I, uh, I also was on Vivance and stuff for all of my life from like literally way too young to be taking that shit. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, when I was the, the literal day I turned 18, I was like, one, I'm dropping out of school and two, I'm not taking any of this fucking shit anymore. I'm not doing it anymore. It makes me feel absolutely terrible. So I haven't taken medicine or anything for it since I was literally 18 years old. So that would be 10 years on my part too. Um, but yeah, I started smoking when I was 21 and I, that like in, in not a corny way, it definitely changed my life. It, it helps me. It, it does help you slow down and get in one lane, at least even if it's just for a little bit, cause I still do have <laughs> yeah. nonstop ADHD issues. Like if anything, it helps me work on a lot of stuff at the same time, maybe it, whether or not that's that great of a thing, but I'll riffing on one thing and i'm like oh shit i forgot to add this one drum track to this other project yes. and open that up and then i'm like oh i need to go over here and like do something to my guitar or <laughs> like so yeah but yeah the cannabis helps it um helps me streamline i guess yeah. in a weird way cannabis and caffeine mix it's the the daily worker bee <laughs> yeah i got i have a i have a love hate relationship with i don't want to say caffeine but um it's Coca-Cola um, and it's Coca-Cola, right? The regular Coca-Cola, you know what I mean? Just, I don't like diet Pepsi or diet. I don't like Pepsi. It's not Coca-Cola. It's not, I don't drink it just because it's fucking soda. You know what I mean? I'm drinking it because I don't know. I love Coca-Cola and I get the caffeine and sugar from it. But um, oh, I have a love hate relationship with that because it's super bad for you, obviously. And the amount that I can ingest in a day is insane, right? I could do like <laughs> 10 sodas in a day. And, you know, I don't know if it does the same for you, uh, but 
like caffeine doesn't really necessarily like hype me up. It just kind of like levels everything out a little bit. And so that's why I'm constantly drinking it. And it's not like if you've ever really tasted Coca-Cola, it's like not the best tasting shit in the world. You know what I mean? It doesn't taste like delicious. It does if you're addicted to it like I am. And, you know, the first couple of sips are like, oh, my God, yes. But that's, uh, that's addict behavior, you know. So um, but you were saying you were um, bipolar a couple of minutes ago. And I was curious, does it ever kind of like. Do you ever notice any of that kind of stuff? seeping into the songwriting of the band like maybe one day you're feeling this way and then maybe another day you're feeling that way and then you listen back and you're like wow you know like on the day that i was like this way this shit is like lighter or heavier or or different than normal do you ever notice that yeah most definitely um and i think that's why um a lot of the songs on on bleed yourself are uh very they all have the same underlying theme, but I was able to kind of write about more things and like write about being angry and, uh, you know, being sad just in that same sense. Um, and it was, yeah, kind of like a helper for that kind of shit. I've got, there's some songs on the record that are just about beating ass. And then there's songs that are just like the saddest thing ever that I, I could have wrote within the, the same two day span for sure. But, um, yeah, it definitely plays into, how our songs come together lyrically a lot. If, if I'm being real, sometimes I do it to myself on purpose. Mm. Like, and that was kind of a big thing for this record and kind of like the, uh, I don't not metaphor. I don't, I, like I said, I dropped out when I was 18. So <laughs> the word I'm looking for um, is slipping me, but the, the whole bleed yourself thing was kind of played off of me doing that shit to myself on purpose. Mm. I, I, feel felt like I had almost said everything I wanted to say when we wrote life casting glass. And most of those songs are kind of the same thing talking about my sister that passed away. And this, uh, with this new album, I kind of had to make myself feel like that again, even if I didn't want to. So there are a lot of things that I was, uh, listening to something on purpose that kind of hurt me or, um, intentionally not pushing away some thoughts that that i had avoided for the past year or two to just let it happen and some of the songs came out really dark and interesting because of that yeah but did your sister pass recently or is that something that happened like later on um my sister was killed in january of 2020 oh you say killed i kind of want to ask but don't want to ask so I don't know if you want to talk it's about okay. okay um that's it's literally what it's all about you know this is a literally what mouth for war is completely about so anybody that asks about that i'll let them know because a lot of our songs i i kind of write and let this stuff be public so i hope that anybody that goes through something like this could you know maybe feel better or take something from these songs but uh yeah, uh, at the beginning of 2020, some uh, a group of boys was chasing my sister and and rode her off a road and flipped her car and killed her. Holy crap! How old were how old was she? She was 19. And how old were the kid, the guys? Do you do you know that? Probably the same ish age. Nuts! That is nuts, dude. That's a nutty story. So they were just like messing with her via the car, or did they know each other? Yeah, it it very odd complex story that still I don't understand and is still kind of ongoing with like the legal system but 
there was a, a some type of a fight or something at a at a place where they were parked and my sister was like i'm getting the fuck out of here and i guess some guy that they didn't like jumped in the car or whatever and they yeah they just chased her through a country road and she wasn't exactly a good driver so mm. well i am sorry to hear that brother that is, that seems like a whole you know one day you wake up and you don't expect that to happen and obviously things happen yeah it uh changed everything for sure and yeah. to this day probably forever you know and so she was uh almost like 10 years younger than you right um uh, she uh, this was uh, what fucking year is it now it's funny she i think she would have just turned 22 or 23 i think okay. she's five years younger than me okay okay well damn so, yeah she was 19 at the time but there's been a few birthdays now well, not to try to end it on a somber note, but uh, we'll try to switch it up here. So, yeah, um, Trey, I appreciate your time uh, today with us on the Van Flip podcast. Um, if you haven't heard of Mouth for War, definitely check it out. The, uh, the album Bleed Yourself, by the time you're listening to this, is already out through Monarch Heavy. Uh, hopefully you'll be able to see Mouth for War many times in person in the year uh, 2024. And... Um, yeah, do you have anything else that you want to shout out? Any other kind of like bands or people that you want to kind of showcase before we kind of cut out here, Trey? Um, shit, I haven't considered that at all. I don't know. Just uh, what's your studio record? Yeah, what's your studio <laughs> called? What's your studio called? Where can people find you for uh, for like any kind of like mixing, engineering, recording business? Um, like-minded company. All all of our handles are that like-minded company, located in Colorado Springs. Um, you can also check out my other band, Tend to the Chest. I produce all of that music and stuff. Um, yeah. If you want to check out some cool bands from from out here, you, uh, we've got Destiny Bond, Moral Law, Backlip, Lucked Out, um, Cherished. I, I, we have a lot of really cool bands out here in Colorado I feel like uh, are definitely worth listening to. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, you were talking about the scene earlier, and that's kind of one of the scenes I've been hearing about in general. So, yeah, if you uh, are in the area, stop by, check a show out, or just check a band out. Trey, again, thank you for joining us today on the Band Flip, and, yeah, check out Mouth for War. Awesome. Thanks for having me. It was It was a great time. Thanks, man. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan, and this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street.